been here for a few weeks. Matthew chapter 13, looking at the kingdom parables of Jesus. It is beautiful to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 13, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 44. When you got it, say so. It says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being our treasure, Lord. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for bringing us to the greatest treasure of all. Thank you for reminding us of that treasure this morning. Lord, we humble our hearts before your beauty and wonder in this day. We ask God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to us this morning, Lord. May we be attentive, may we be responsive. Lord, may you be glorified. Remove distractions from our minds and our hearts in this room and those joining online and those who may see this message or hear this message later on. Lord, remove distractions that we may be attuned to your voice. We pray this in Jesus' strong name and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand and, well, raise the hand and praise the Lord because we have no more outlines. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, you know, I, I lowered the amount of outlines that we get, and then all of a sudden we need more. Praise the Lord. All right, that's a, that's a good problem. Next week we will have outlines. You'll be able to raise your hand and do more than just praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're continuing in our series, Kingdom Critical, Kingdom Critical. And this morning we are talking about kingdom treasure. And in your outline there, there is this question, what is your greatest treasure? What is your greatest treasure? If the people who know you the best were asked, what is the one thing, you can insert your name there, that you couldn't live without, what would the answer be? Because you can say, I can say what our greatest treasure is, right? But the people around us, they really know what our greatest treasure is. And so I polled my family, hallelujah. Dangerous thing to do, y'all. You got to put your money where your mouth is, right? And so I'm like, well, I'm going to ask the church this. So before I get up here, I'm going to go ahead and pull my family. So I asked one of my family members. I'm not giving you any names right now. I know you want all of the names. I'm not giving you nothing. I asked one of my family members. I was like, so what, what do you think is my greatest treasure? And the first word out of them was Jesus. I was like, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. You know, you know, amen, glory to God. And then when I went to some other family members and I asked them this question, one of them said, the bathroom? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some of y'all, some of y'all, the answer would be coffee, you know, like you can, you can live with everything, without anything else. When we, when we fast, like it comes out, right? Like I'm okay with no food, but the coffee, that, that brings something out of me, right? Uh what is, your, what is your greatest treasure is the question that we have to ask ourselves. Whether we realize it or not, your outline has this there. Whether we realize it or not, we spend most of our lives searching for treasure. 
whether we, whether we admit it, whether we think that we really do. We're searching. When I first got saved, I, one of the first prayers I prayed after giving my life to Jesus is, Lord, bring me a wife. Hallelujah. I wasn't asking for any other gift, glory to God. I wasn't, I wasn't praying that God would keep me single for the rest of my days. Nope, I, I'm, Lord, I need a wife. I was looking for that, what the scripture says is a good thing and favor from the Lord. And so we look for treasure and a spouse maybe. Maybe your, your treasure, you're looking for a job, that job, right? That one that you love, the one that you look forward to. Maybe it's an investment, right, like that you're looking for. You, you wonder why these pyramid schemes work so much. Somebody's looking for that investment. They're looking for that thing that they just got to give a little money to and they're going to be rich. Hello. Maybe a ministry. Maybe that's what you're looking for. Maybe that's what you think the treasure is. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe that's the treasure. That's it. That's the goal. Whatever, whatever the goal is right now, that's the treasure that we're looking after, that we're looking for, that we are pursuing. We're looking for that thing. We live our lives looking for treasure. We live our lives looking for those things that are valuable. And there's, there's nothing wrong with looking for those things. There's nothing wrong with pursuing the things that I, none of those things are bad. None of those things are, are, are ungodly or unholy. Those are all things that God provides us with. But here's the thing we have to understand. God offers us the kingdom treasure that will fully satisfy us and, and give full value to those other things. See, because here's the problem. When you search for treasure and that treasure is a spouse and you find that treasure and you didn't find the treasure of Jesus first, you know what that spouse becomes? That spouse becomes an ultimate thing, which inevitably becomes an idol. That job that you're pursuing, it becomes an ultimate thing. It becomes an idol. It becomes the thing that you serve more than you serve the Lord. That investment that you're looking for, that retirement that you're looking forward to, whatever it is, if you do not have the treasure, you try to find worth in those other things. You try to find value in those other things. I don't have the words up here. Oh, I do have the words up here. Here they are. Praise the Lord. You think about it and the Lord provides, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That's the secret and that is demonic, amen, amen, that is demonic. If you've watched the movie The Secret, you should know that is demonic. If you didn't know, now you know. Somebody tells you, just look at, just, just, just focus in on that positive thing. <laughs> the words are, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Oh, man, that was so good, man. You in the spirit when you picked that song. I'm just letting you know, man. <laughs> Can we give a hand to our music ministry? Glory to God. We appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Thank, 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 thank our sister Sarah being inspired. She's part of the music ministry as well. She's just on a little sabbatical right now. Glory to God. But it's a good thing that she sits close to the front because we can hear the Holy Ghost through her. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ah, glory to God. That was, that was powerful, man. Powerful time in the presence of the Lord and, and, and worship. But when we, when we sang those words, treasures that fade are never enough. They're never enough. You find that dream job, Right? I was, talking, I was talking to someone the other day, and, year, and, and a few years ago, they started in what, you know, there was their dream job. 
And they were, they were laughing about other people in these roles that they were like, man, they make these huge bonuses and they don't make enough. And then we find ourselves in that same position. Why? Because the treasures of this world fade. You can never make enough money. That's why millionaires are committing suicide. That's why people that seem to have it all together, they're addicted to drugs or other things. They're alcoholics. Why? Because there's a void that only the God of heaven can fill. There's a void that only the treasure can, can, can fill and can, and can make us experience a satisfaction that is deeper, that is more fulfilling, that is greater than anything else. It is that alone that is found in the presence of God and in the person of God. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. When the kingdom of heaven is your greatest treasure, your values change. When the kingdom of heaven is your greatest treasure, your values change. I'm not saying you don't want any of those other things. You want a job. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Hey, you better want a job. Hey, you better want to work. Don't be sitting home collecting. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, hallelujah. I mean, unless there's a justifiable reason, right? But I mean, you know, ultimately we, we, we value things differently. We have a different value because of what? Because... The kingdom treasure is our greatest treasure. When that happens, our values completely change. The first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom treasure, kingdom treasure. is hidden, hidden, not invisible. Kingdom treasure is hidden, not invisible. And so notice, I love this text, this short, this just one verse. And we see three things here, basically, right? We see that something was found, something was sold, and something was bought. Something was found. The scriptures tell us that the man in the parable found a treasure and he hid it. It doesn't tell us whether he was looking for treasure. Like, you know, you've been to the beach, and you see the guy with the thing, dee -dee, dee -dee, and you're like, man, you know. And what's he looking for? He's looking for treasure. Come on now. He's looking, he, he, you know, one, one penny at a time, one quarter at a time, whatever you had in your pocket that came back up to show. He's looking. He's searching that, that necklace. He's, he's searching. It doesn't, I mean, they didn't have those back then. Hello. Maybe he was walking around with a stick. He saw a field, and as he's walking, he, you know, he was looking. Or maybe he was just walking and kicked something. was like, what on earth? That ain't supposed to be there. And maybe he started to dig, and he was like, oh, snap. <laughs> that was the word he used in the Hebrew. That's the Aramaic, like, oh, my goodness, right? <laughs> oh, snap. Go look it up later on. Not now. But he finds this thing, and when he finds it, he, he's, apparently he's by himself. I don't, I'm, I'm just going to assume that because it doesn't say someone else is with him. But no matter what, if someone was with him, they saw it, they found it, they, they, this is treasure. They hid it because they knew the value that was there. Whether he was looking or not, he found this thing. I want you to turn with me really quickly. Look, uh, just go back to Matthew chapter 7. Just a couple of, uh, should be just a couple of pages here. Jesus is toward the end of his message uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's communicating Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 13 with me. Verse 13 says this. It says, enter by the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. My question is, why is the path of life difficult and few find it? Does God not want you to find it? Does God not want, is God like playing hide and seek? Is that what he's doing here? Is it, is it that God doesn't want you to find the, the gate? He doesn't want you to find the narrow path? But this man, again, and you're gonna, we're going to go back here, but this man, he found this treasure. He found it. He, he found a treasure that apparently nobody else found, and he hides it because he realizes that it's real. Let me explain to you what I believe is the reason why we don't find this path or this gate is because we are blinded to kingdom treasure by our sin. We are blinded to kingdom treasure by our sin. As we seek to satisfy the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life, we often overlook the kingdom treasure being offered to us. Why? Because it doesn't shine as brightly as the decoys that Satan is shining before us. So what happens is we are blinded by the lust of the eye. We are blinded by the things that we see around us, and we don't realize the treasure that the God of heaven is trying to offer us. And we bypass it because of the lust of our eye or the lust of our flesh because we have to fulfill our fleshly desires or because of the pride of life. Hey, man, I work for that. Come on now. Y'all know you've been there. Come on. I know I've been there. Maybe it's just me. I work for that. I should be able. Who said you should be able? I don't know who said you should be able. I don't know where that's in the Bible. Is that in like your, your book, your verse and chapter? I don't know. The book of hesitations. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you're not hesitating for that, right? You, you deserve this thing. So that, that, that's what we think. That's what we feel. You know who else felt that way? Eve felt that way. In the garden, what did the serpent do? The serpent came to Eve and was like, hey, check out this shiny fruit. Look how beautiful this fruit is. Lust of the eye. Hmm. Hey, you know, what did God say to you about that? Oh, don't touch it. Don't eat it. But it's, it's good for you. It's going to open your eyes. You're going to be like God. Oh, lust of the flesh. Well, I, I, I'm missing something here. And then I'm created and God's trying to hide something. The pride of life. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The shiny little thing over here that's saying, saying, come on, you know you want this. Come on, come on, I got this good thing over here for you. And God is saying, wait a second, don't bypass the gate. Don't bypass the narrow path. Don't bypass the difficult road. Don't walk away from the thing that is going to give you eternal life, not just when you die, but beginning now. Don't bypass this for that shiny eye. Don't bypass this for what you think is your right. Don't bypass this. God is saying don't bypass this kingdom treasure. God makes his kingdom treasure available to everyone. He's not, listen, he is not making it invisible. It's there. Do we want it? See, here's the the thing. The thing is this, is that he makes his treasure available to everyone. The gate is open until the end of the age. And I want you to know the end of the age is closer than you and I think. 
If you're if you're not looking around now, now y'all 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 you know we 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 discuss or complain or however you want to frame it, but we discuss this 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 inflation problem. Remember a few a few months ago, you remember when I was preaching in the book of Revelation? Remember that? Remember remember way back then? I know you remember every single sermon I preach. And just the other day, I, we were talk, I was talking to someone, and <clears throat> we're talking about the projections that are there on what prices are going to be. Well, you know, the Bible talked about how expensive things were going to be. Remember, we talked about that, how expensive stuff was going to be getting to- toward the end of the age. So get mad. Amen. I want to be mad, too. I am mad. Hallelujah. Frustrated, just upset. But I also realized, man, God said this is going to be like this. That's why we're seeing these things. And so that's why, listen, don't bypass the gate. Because you may have bypassed the gate a bunch of times over and over again. And just want to live the the cushy, just relaxed life and stuff like that. But wait a second. You need to know, Jesus is coming. His return is closer than you and I. Stop passing the gate by like you got another day. Like there's another opportunity. Look, today's the day of salvation. So again, if you're in this place and you don't know the Lord, stop fighting him. Turn to him. Submit to him. Walk through the gate, the invitation. Now listen, I want you to know, you're not just going to walk up in here like just, hey, I'm all that. No, no, no. That to humble yourself before the Lord. The path is accessible to anyone who is willing to take it. The question is, do you see the value of the kingdom? Do you see the value of the kingdom? Or are there other things that are more valuable to you? You hear me? Do you see the value of the kingdom? I remember, and I, and I share this story with you often, because I want you to know that I understand the struggle that is real. I remember being in a service. I remember hearing God call me for the first time. In my, in my entire life, sitting next to my best friend. And I remember when the pastor in that service made the calling for people, if they wanted to give their life to Christ, if they wanted to accept the Lord. I remember that night me feeling like, man, I know God is calling me, and I want to respond, but I valued my friendship more than the treasure that was being offered to me. My friendship was more important to me. And so my brother Peto, you might be watching. I know you say you watch me all the time. Don't let anything be more valuable to you than God Almighty. See, I go back to that day because I remember hearing the sermon a year or so later. And I remember weeping because I, re- I, I, re- I recalled so many horrific times and moments in my life. Between the moment that I did not respond to God's call to the day that I did, and I was like, man, I should have died a bunch of times. And God was merciful. But listen, mercy does run out at some point. And we have to realize that. And so as we're here, we have to ask ourselves that question, do we see the value in the kingdom? The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say kingdom treasure is worth everything. Kingdom treasure is worth everything. So the first thing that we see this man do is what? He finds the treasure. He sees that it's treasure. He hides it. And then what's the next thing the scripture says that he does? It says that he went and he sold everything. You think he found something that was valuable? He didn't just sell a couple of things. He sold everything. 
in order to buy that field. Listen, he could have had a mansion, and he was like, I'm buying this field. I live in a tent for a while, but I know what I got in this field. I know what I have in this field. The man hid it, and then he goes and he sells everything to purchase it. Here's the deal. When you truly see the value of the kingdom, you're all in, no matter what it costs. When you truly see the value of the kingdom, when you truly see the value of the sacrifice of what Christ has done, when you truly see the value of God Almighty, when you truly see his worth, man, you are all in and you say, God, I'm yours. Let me give you another example. Turn me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. And again, we're going to turn the pages of our Bible a little bit today. And it will probably be projected as well, but Ephesians chapter 3 Philippians. I just looked at Ephesians. I'm sorry. Philippians. Philippians. We go to Ephesians chapter 3 too, but no, not today. Not today. Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read from verse 3. And it says this. It says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Look what Paul says here. But what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Now, let's pause for a moment. We're going we're to keep reading, but I want to pause for a moment. What Paul just did when he says, what things were gained to me. In other words, all the things that I just mentioned, my heritage, all of that, me being a Hebrew of Hebrews, all of those things, I walked away from all of that and counted as a loss for what? To know Christ. He's saying that all the stuff that I could have had, all the pleasures I could have had, the easy life that I could have experienced, all of the blessings that I could have experienced, all of that I counted as loss for someone. Now let's continue on reading in verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. One translation says garbage. I count them as garbage. The word actually means dung. Feces. You want me to give you another word? No, I think you got it. <laughs> we were with the guys yesterday. Jeff had this whole word. I'm like, man, this is like three words. It's like, it's, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But, 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 but nonetheless, it was it was, it was very eloquent way of saying feces. But anyway. Paul says he, count, he counted all those good things. He counted all of those good things as nothing, as garbage, as rubbish. He goes on to say, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the same mind that I have, this isn't just because I'm an apostle. This isn't just because I'm the, the leader of the church. This is the mindset that should be in every one of us. That we are willing to count everything as, as a loss. The Apostle Paul says, what things were gained to me, <laughs> I, I have counted loss for Christ. He counted all things as loss, as rubbish, as dung. For what? For the surpassing worth. I love that. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Here's my question for you. How does your life compare to that? Let's keep it 100. How does your life compare? I, 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 know, I know you know about your neighbor's life. Especially if you're married, you know you, you have not let all things. You, you, you know other people's lives, right? But what about your life? How does your life measure to what Paul is declaring here? Because here's the thing. Our lives should be measured by the book. Hello? Our lives should be, our commitment to Christ shouldn't be measured by my neighbor. It shouldn't be measured by my pastors. It shouldn't be measured by the ministers of the church. It shouldn't be measured by other. My commitment to Christ should be measured by the word of God. This is the standard. I'm not the standard. How does your life measure up in comparison to Paul? Have you counted all things as a loss to know him? And it's funny because Paul, he like lives in, this, in this, this, these two places. He lives in this tension. The one tension is, it's not my righteousness. I'm not saved by my own works. He's like, and I, I, I'm forgiven, I'm, but, 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 but I want to know him. Like, I don't know him yet. See, church, that's the tension that we should live in. We should never live, and I think what happens to us is that we get super comfortable right over here. I'm saved. I can ask God for forgiveness anytime I want I can just live how, I can give just what I want. I don't got to give my life. I can just give just some of it. See, one of the saddest realities of our Americanized Christianity is the man-centeredness of our churches. See, here's the thing. The message of the kingdom wasn't say a prayer so you know you will go to heaven and you'll get your miracle and your best life now. That wasn't the message of the kingdom. Because that's the message that we're hearing in the United States of America is, hey, just, just believe, just, just receive this gift, and, and you're going to be forgiven, and you're going to heaven, and you know what? You're going to get your miracle. You're going to get your breakthrough, and you know what? You're going to live your best life now. That attracts people, doesn't it? 
That's how pyramid schemes work. They sound real good. Just give me a little bit of money. That's all you got to do. Get a couple of friends to do this with you, and you'll be good to go. You're going to be a millionaire just like me. The devil is a liar. Not true. It's false advertisement. Notice you've never met the millionaires. You've never met them. See, but the thing is this, is that we as Christians are supposed to, or if we are not followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Christ, what God says is this, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your lifestyle. Turn away from your lust. Turn away from your desires. See, here's the thing. Yes, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give you life what? Come on now. More abundantly, hallelujah. Can I tell you something? Abundant life comes with a cross. Abundant life comes with self-denial. Abundant life comes with the laying down of your life. Why? Because if you don't deny yourself, if you don't lay your life down, if you get every single blessing this side of heaven, what do you have to look forward to? Nothing. Because you've gotten all of it over here. But wait a second. You know, you know what the problem is? The greater problem is that he's not your treasure. He's not the treasure when everything else is your treasure. He's not the greatest thing when everything else is equal to him. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom treasure is a purchased possession. Kingdom treasure is a purchased possession. The last thing that we see that this guy does, the first thing he does, he hides the treasure that he finds. And the next thing that he does is he goes and sells everything that he has. And the last thing he does, he goes and he buys this field. He goes and he purchases this field. And now here is where the tension comes in with commentators. Because commentators on this particular text say, this text cannot be uh, referring to the, the gospel of the kingdom. This, this text cannot be referring to salvation because you cannot buy salvation. How many would say amen, you cannot buy salvation? Amen, amen. you cannot buy salvation. But here's the thing. Isaiah, turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 1. Look what the writer in Isaiah says. This is Isaiah the prophet who was speaking on behalf of the Lord. Look at his words. He says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Keep going with me. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You see what the scripture said in verse 1. It said crystal clear. It said to come and buy and eat without money. That's crazy. Doesn't make any sense. But what is happening here is Isaiah is giving us a mystery of the gospel. We are called to purchase what has already been purchased for us. We 
have been called, have been welcomed, have been invited to purchase what has already been purchased for us. The fact is, the kingdom treasure of salvation has been purchased by the precious and holy blood of Jesus Christ. Our acceptance of that gift, though, requires an exchange of life. See, here's the thing that has to happen. You can't. I tell you the story about me sitting in my, my, my best friend. I didn't want to walk away from him to come to Jesus. I didn't want to leave my life and come to Jesus. I still wanted to hold on to the things that I loved, the things that I was comfortable with, the things that I knew, whatever that is. Man, there's, there's things that you think that they're just, no, those things are holding on to you. Those things have a hold on you. Those things are keeping you from the abundant life that is in Christ until one day God got a hold of me. And he revealed himself to me and he let me know he was the great treasure I had been searching for. He was the one that was going to love me like no one else could ever love me. He was the one that was going to fill the void in my heart that I had been trying to fill with drugs and relationships and all kind of other things. He was the one that was going to fill this void. The treasure was finally there, but I, but, but, but I couldn't, but I knew, I knew, I knew I couldn't have my cake and eat it too when it came to that. I knew I wasn't just adding Jesus to my life, I was giving my life to Christ. See, that's the difference between saying a prayer and surrendering your life. See, it's, it's you know, when, 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 when the book of Romans tells us to believe in our heart, to confess with our mouth, when you were confessing with your mouth, you were saying, Jesus is Lord. You were saying, he is the kurios. He is the one who is over my life. Caesar is not king. No one else is king. You are king. You are Lord. That's what the confession is. Repent and believe. Why do we have to repent? Why can't we just believe? Wait a second. When you really just believe, you will turn from sin. Because when you come to that understanding of who God is and what he's done, you know you can't continue on living the life you want to live. You can't continue doing the things you want to do. And listen, you can't bring that into your Christian. you got to make a choice. You're going you're to walk through the gate. That's open. It's there. You're going to go to that narrow path, that difficult path, that path, you know, that nobody wants to walk on. Are we willing to walk to, down that path? The book of Revelation depicts what repentance looks like, and, and it shows us some, some, some issues. Turn with me real quick to Revelation, last book in your Bible. This is the last scripture that we're going to turn to today. Revelation chapter 3. I just want you to see it with your own eyes. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18. And the, the, the writer here who is conveying the words of Jesus to the church of Laodicea, and I preach through Revelation, so you can go and you can listen to this sermon online. So I'm not going to go through this whole thing here. But I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Look at what he says to them in verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What is he saying here? He is showing us what repentance is. The church of Laodicea, they thought they were rich. The church of Laodicea, they thought they were clothed. They had these beautiful purple linens that they would wear. They, they, they thought they had it going on. And what Jesus is saying to them, he, this is what Jesus is saying in, in, in our modern day vernacular. You need to understand your pockets aren't deep enough to purchase your way to heaven. 
That's what he's saying to them, and that's what he's saying to us. If you're not with him, you're, you, you, ain't, you ain't got enough money. I don't care if you're whoever the richest person on the planet is. They cannot buy their way into heaven. They are, they, in God's eyes, all of those riches are poverty, especially when it comes to salvation. He's saying to them, listen to me, your clothing aren't expensive enough to cover you in my presence. You are naked before me. You th- listen, do you think we get so worried about somebody knowing what's going on inside of us? We get so worried about, you know, and, and, and I say this and every week, and, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't normally push it when I'm up here because I'm not with begging people, but I just want to say this. I know when God is speaking to people in the church, not that I know who he's speaking to, I know when God is speaking the same way we know that God was moving in the building. And, and, and here's the thing. When we open up this time up here for prayer, this isn't for me to say, hey, I got people. No, no, no. This is for you to come and say, God, I heard you. This is for you to do business with the Lord. This is for you to have some. See, and we sit there and we resist him because we don't want to be embarrassed. That's pride. That's all that is. We don't, we don't want to be embarrassed because, man, Bishop was saying this. They might think, who cares what they think? God Almighty who is looking at you, you are butt naked right now. Come on now. I can't see you. He sees you. There's never a moment that you're hiding from him. He knows what's going on inside of your heart. He knows what is happening there. He knows what he's saying. He sees your struggle and your wrestle. He sees you squirming in your seat like, oh, my goodness. When's this? He sees all that. He knows it. Why wrestle with him? Why not just submit to him and say, God, have your way in my heart. Have your way in my life. Have your Lord, do your work inside of me. I heard your voice. I'm tired of running. That's what we should do. When he's speaking to the church in Revelation, he's talking to the church who has learned to play church, but they're not being the church. He's saying, you know what? You're blind. Let me give you some eye salve. Let me spit on your eyes. I'm getting ready to close. God offers us the solution to open our eyes to the treasure. He shows us how we can come, how we can experience the abundant life. He shows us what that is. And what does he do? He says, come and buy it. But I'm going to give you the money. Come and purchase it. But I already paid the price for you. That's, what, that's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that, listen, no matter how much money you got or how much money you don't, it doesn't matter. He's already paid the ransom. He's already paid for your freedom. He's already paid for your deliverance. The sacrifice of Christ is the treasure that pays for itself. The sacrifice of Christ is the treasure that pays for itself. On our behalf, the price has been paid. We simply have to accept our inability to save ourselves from our sin. You and I have to accept our inability to save ourselves from our sin or to save ourselves from the wrath of God that is to come. And listen, I know that some people don't want to talk about wrath. They don't want to talk about judgment. But listen, I tell you that in love. God does not want anybody to experience his wrath. For that reason, Jesus died on the cross. Every week when we partake of communion, we are reminded of what? Our sin, our Savior, and our salvation. Every week we're reminded that Jesus was penalized for you and I so that way we could have eternal life. He died. He shed blood so that way we can know. But we have to realize, man, I can't save myself. I can't clean myself up and then come. No, no, no. You come. You know, somebody, I was thinking about this, this concept the other day. 
You know, we often say this, that the church is supposed to be a hospital. How many say amen to that? You know what the problem is? We, we, we treat the church like a cosmetic service and not a hospital. See, when you come to a hospital, you don't come and tell them, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. You know what you do? You get told what needs to be done to you. Now, when you go to a plastic surgeon, it's different. There you go with your checklist of things that you want and things you do. I want this bigger. I want that smaller. I want this, whatever. I want to look crazy because I can't age gracefully, but anyway, that's another story. Amen. Nobody in this room. Nobody in this room. Amen. Y'all are aging gracefully. Glory to God. And if you've had some work done, I don't know. But anyway, here's the deal. You know, you know who I'm talking about. Crazy people looking like this. Like they, you know, like... Like, like they ain't got a wrinkle. Like, what? I'm like, you crazy. What do you mean you don't have a wrinkle? Doggone, you double my age and you ain't got a wrinkle? Come on now. It just don't look. It's not natural, you know? But listen. The church is supposed to be a hospital. And so what God does is he diagnoses what's going on with you. And he says, son, daughter, I paid a price for you. I don't want you to be broken like that. I don't want you to be hiding like that. I don't want you to be faking like that. I don't want you to just learn to put on your Sunday best when you come into the room and make everybody think everything is okay. That's not what I died for. I didn't die to make you cute. I died to make you whole. I didn't die to add to your life what you want. I died to give you real life. I didn't die so I could decorate those chains. I died to break those chains. I died to give you life. And listen, he tells this to his sons and his daughters as well as those who are not. Because sometimes, church folk, we're the best at it. We put on our Sunday best. We know how to smile. We know how to make make it seem like there ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. Listen, don't disregard God's voice. Don't disregard his voice. Here's my question for you as I'm closing. First question is this, have you found the kingdom treasure? Have you found it? Maybe you're in here, maybe you're online, maybe you're hearing this message. Have you found salvation? Have you found the one who wants to save you? Have you found the one who wants to give you life? Have you found him? If you haven't found him, today's the day for you to turn him. He's calling you. Today is the day for you to surrender your life to him. Today is the day for you to submit to him. My second question is this, is he still your treasure? See, because here's the thing. Some of us, we found him a long time ago, but he's not our treasure anymore. Other things are our treasure. Other things are dominating the throne of our heart. Other things are dominating our thoughts. Other things are dominating our lives. My question is this, are you willing to relinquish your life again and lay it down and say, Lord, my life is yours? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Hallelujah. And I will ask the prayer team to come forward. And if you heard his voice today, we'll make it simple. If you heard his voice today and you say, God, I got business to do with you, then today's the day for you to respond to him. This is the moment and the opportunity for you to respond to him and not hold back on what God wants to do in your life. 
And so as Minister Hector leads us in worship, I invite you to come forward and let the Lord deal with you. Father, I thank you so much for every person in this place. I thank you for those who are online, God. And, and if you're online, I just want to say this as I'm praying. If you need prayer, if you know that God is speaking to you and you need him to work in your life, let us know. You can click on a link that is there and we will pray for you and we will respond to you. But in this moment, Father, we come praying for those that are in this place, those that are online, God, those that are hearing. Lord, break the chains. Lord, remove pride, Lord God. Remove the barriers, Lord. Lord, forgive us for not keeping you as our treasure. Forgive us for allowing other things to creep in and, and hold uh, a place in our heart that it doesn't belong. Father, I pray for those that don't know you, those who have not submitted their life to you. Lord God, in this moment, I pray that you would break chains. I pray that you would liberate hearts. I pray that you would do work as only you can, Lord God. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I ask you to come forward if you know that you got to do business with God. If you know that you need to turn from your sin, let this be a moment that you do that. If you know you need to address something, don't deny what God is doing in your heart. Respond to him in faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.